Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome back to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here coming to you live from Upstairs Studio I'm, well, Heather's still live. She's just not in studio. Um, I was going to say not live in studio, but you, you are alive. You're just not in the studio. You're, you're sitting in a snow storm. Is it a storm or is it just snowing? No, I wish it were, but it's just, just a bit of snow here just and some there. Nice snow. Well, Heather, we're back with episode three of our Delve into Weapons play. And, uh, and, and it sounds like this episode we're going to get into the whole good guy, bad guy kind of uh, morality of, yeah. of weapons play. Yeah, you know, this is one of the ways that that if you're not used to thinking of weapon play in this way, it can be a real brain shift to say, what? This is about moral development? (laughs) I thought it was something violent and evil and Uh bad, and I need to stop it. But, um, you know, so come with us for a little bit, and, and let's think through and unpack some of the moral development that happens with kids as they um, get involved in, in weapon play. Um, one of the things that frequently comes out with this kind of play uh, is good guys, bad guys. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes a group of kids, some of them will be the bad guys, some will be the good guys. Sometimes it's just a group and they all want to be the good guys, or maybe they all want to be the bad guys. But there's there's often this fight against good and evil that's going on in this kind of play. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you think about it, Star Wars or various oh, yeah. things that it doesn't have to be um, – a story that somebody else made up. It can be a story the kids are making up. But all of those stories have this this epic level to them of right and wrong, good and bad. What's what's evil? What's good? How does it feel to be a hero? Uh-huh. How does it feel to save people? Because a lot of this is dashing around saving people. <laughs> um, or how does it, on the flip side, what does it feel like to be the evil dude with all the power? <laughs> um <laughs> And and that that one step of being somebody completely different than who you are is actually a huge step in children's moral development of that shift of perspective. What does it feel like to be in somebody else's shoes? What does it feel like to think through the world a different way? That's that's all about empathy and perspective shifting, and that's um, all the people who study moral development that's a huge step in moral development for children and and it's taking place in this uh this this activity that that adults kind of uh just kind of don't pay much attention to it's almost like we're wired to learn these kind of social lessons through this activity it's almost like it's an evolutionary strategy for 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 developing these skills and 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 yeah. mindsets it's it's, so it's, first, I just it's want fascinating to assure anybody who has a child who's not drawn to weapon play uh-huh. don't worry your child can still be a moral human being <laughs> <laughs> it's not the only path to good <laughs> it's just one path it's a uh-huh. it's 
I mean, when you're talking about kids being wired for this, it seems as if some have that wiring more strongly than us. Yeah, well, some, some look at it for other ways because this goes on in the dramatic play area all the time. The the evil stepmother in the dramatic play area and, and those kind of things. And so a lot of those themes are, are playing out with different props. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is morality in this, and a lot of uh, a lot of people call this epic play rather than weapon play. They call it epic play or hero play. Uh-huh. I mean, you think about it, which is that shift of words. Suddenly, uh, there's a there's a, a different perspective that we as adults are getting, and mm-hmm. so we are advancing our own moral development, <laughs> maybe our own emotional social development by realizing that there's more to it. There's um, and also at this age, at the stage of development where the kids are, they are seeing things black and white. Uh-huh. You know, there's good guys, there's bad guys. If you start having a big conversation about, well, what about the complexities of the, the evil guys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the shades of gray will come. They normally come a few years down the road. Uh-huh. So don't worry too much if your child is categorizing just into good, bad you know, black and white, you got to take your first steps first. And that's where they, most of them are right now is just seeing things in, in two shades, not multiple shades. Yeah, they, they, they don't have, they, they're just not, they're just not ready for that. And, and, and so it's okay if your three-year-old decides they're going to be Darth Vader for three months. They're, they're, you don't have to worry too much about that. Well, the breathing could get. <laughs> Maybe you better make sure they yeah. don't have, yeah, you know, a respiratory problem. Yeah, it turns out. Turns out he wasn't trying to be Darth Vader. He just has asthma. Yeah. Uh, so how do you how do you learn to be a good person by by blasting your friends with uh, with uh, laser blasters and lightsabers? Well, the key word in all that is friends. Oh, yeah. You know, this is social interaction. It's, uh, I mean, some kids will do this play on their own, especially if they don't have a buddy to be with at mm-hmm. that moment. Um, but a lot of it, and, and the most fun level of it, usually is, is with one or more. Sometimes this is a, a great way for group play, where you have to manage complex social interactions. You know, sometimes it can be groups of six or seven kids all agreeing on the same rules of play. And with any kind of dramatic play, things move along pretty fast. You know, one kid does something or says something, and that influences the storyline, and they're all reacting to it emotionally and creatively. This is high-level thinking and high-level social interaction. So when you said, you know, what, what are they learning with their their friend when they're blasting him away a lot a lot it it's amazing when you step step back and start picking apart the the compromises the the negotiation um, all of all of this stuff it, I, I wish adults maybe had engaged in more of this kind of play in in their their youth so they'd be a little bit more effective at it when they get older and I'm not specifically talking about everybody within and within a hundred mile radius of Washington DC uh, but uh, maybe um <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, since you're, <laughs> you're picking up a, a theme about the adults again, I just wanted to point out, and I know this is obvious to people, but the the children who played this way, this high energy type of game, a lot as kids and had fun with it, and then grew up, most of those kids were um, boys. Not all. Yes. I did a lot of this kind of play. A lot of people did, but most of the adults today who are 
who are primarily taking care of the children are women, mostly the mothers, the grandmothers, the female babysitters, and overwhelmingly female early childhood staff and directors and so on. (laughs) So when we come to this kind of play, many women didn't do this play personally don't see the value of it, are terrified of it. And that's, we have to understand where we're coming from. And, and a lot of us, if, you know, if you really get down deep, um, a lot of women are highly uncomfortable with what you can loosely term boy play. Um, it, and weapon play falls into this. So there's a lot of prejudice coming in. We, uh, many of us, well, why don't we sit down with scissors and do a nice craft <laughs> or something else? Is the oh, jeez. Well. Wow. <laughs> and so they don't know what to do with this boy play, and the instinct for them to feel comfortable is to shut it down or redirect and, and just stop it in some way. So that is something we need to examine. And uh, I can help to get over this particular challenge is if you are a woman or an adult who didn't do this kind of play yourself, go talk to somebody who did. Yeah, For yeah. For example, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come talk to me. I mean, back in the, I mean, it was the late seven, mid, late 70s, early 80s, I was running around with a group, mostly boys, a couple girls in there. Um, we, I mean, this is end of Vietnam, and that we, all in our little years, that's what was going on in, in, in our lives, and so there's a lot of that play going on. And we were we were eviscerating each other and killing each other on a daily basis, and it was delightful, and nobody I, I still have any contact with from that group grew up to be an axe murderer. Um, it it's just it's just kind of play. And and the little the little uh, audio blurb that came in there, I opened up a website because I saw this in the news yesterday. Um, the APA, the American Psycholo- Psychology Association, is that who they are? Um, has come out with a new guidelines that pretty much say uh, traditional masculinity is uh, is 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 unhealthy and and. Uh, and I think that's part of what we're seeing here with this kind of play getting shut down in the early years. And being a guy, I know I'm not supposed to talk about this, but there is a difference between the way boys... I'm just going to shut up because I'll get in trouble if I, if I talk about the fact that there's a, there's a difference between boys and girls in general. But, I mean, there is. It's a biology thing. It's a testosterone thing. And, and, and the needs of a large portion of the kids in early learning settings aren't getting met, met because the people, like you said, the, the, the people who are their caregivers, good-intentioned and good, kind people, for the most part, aren't, aren't tuning in to, to those needs because they, they truly don't understand them. That's a little yeah. bit, uh, and I'm off the soapbox, well, apologize. You know, soapboxes are why people are listening <laughs> in, I think. Um, you know, the, um, the School for Young Children, the school that, that um, inspired my books and where I went to school as a child, um, they often accept boys, particularly, who were expelled from other local preschools. Mm-hmm. Kids who were being themselves, trying to follow this wiring that was drawing them to either uh, physical action or um, high-energy play or um, or weapon play or whatever it might be, and, and their behavior wasn't accepted by the adults in charge of them. And so they were, by age three and four, kicked out of preschool. Uh, what a way to start your career. And the School for Young Children 
um, you know, talks to the families and welcomes them. And these boys thrive. Yeah. Because for the first time, what their need to do, their need for play is being respected and welcomed and given um, adequate space to do it. You know, oh, I see you want to wrestle. Here's the running room. Or, oh, um, your game looks like it needs a sword. The swords are kept in the closet over there. <laughs> you know, and, and for the first time, they're able to be respected and they thrive. And if they have other issues like, uh, you know, they're hitting kids or whatever it might be, well, that's what growing up is all about. And and so the teachers are skilled enough to realize, well, that there's some emotional and social development that needs to happen and we can guide you through those conflicts. We can guide you in a way that you're not hitting the kid next to you, but you're still getting that mad feeling out. Yeah, we had in our family child care program, we had a little guy came to us when he was probably five. He had been kicked out of three or four other early learning settings. He was he was an adopted child. Adopted par- Adoptive parents were, I, I, they didn't know what to do because they this kid had been labeled as a bad kid and i mean you get kicked out of three or four early learning programs you start you start have you have a reputation and the thing is we don't have a it's not a very big community so i mean other directors were getting warned about hey if you get a call room um and I, I don't know we don't have time to get into the morals and ethics of that but it was going on and and she got a hold of me and and they came for a visit and everything and and he was a very energetic young man but nothing out of the ordinary. And so we enrolled him, and for the first couple of weeks, mom would show up at the end of the day just with this fearful look on her face, like, what did he do today? Because she had been trained for that, apparently. And my response was pretty much always, he had a great day. And it took her, it took her a couple months probably to, to settle in um, he, I think he settled in quicker than she did, but to realize that the stuff that they were having problems with in other programs wasn't him being bad stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't them embracing, like you said, the swords are in the, clo- in the closet, embracing him for who he was. And so if, if this kind of play is something you've been struggling with with your child and thinking they're a bad kid, maybe it would be a good idea to pull back a little bit and, 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 and stop creating a moral issue over the kind of play they like to engage in and and look at the the value in 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 them doing what they what they're drawn to do. Yeah, absolutely. So where do we go from here? Um Well, I wanted to go into death. Can okay, I love talking about death. Yes, let's go into death. Um, this kind of play, particularly weapon play, and so we were talking about moral development, it often ends up with um, you know, some of the kids temporarily um, blasting each other, killing each other, and then a few moments later they pop back up and they say, new guy, and then they're off and ready to go again. <laughs> um, but for a time they're lying there completely still, and, and they are trying to be dead in their fantasy play. Um, and all of this playing dead stuff, is, is big moral emotional development. And I think um, it, it comes out because there's weapons involved that a lot of the play ends up having the death involved. Mm-hmm. But think about, I, I, I sometimes challenge adults, when is the earliest age, you know, when do you remember being told that, that you were not going to be alive forever, that there's this thing called mortality and that mm-hmm. there was a time that, that you weren't, 
alive yet, and there's going to be a time when that happens again. Wait, wait, but, wait. What? Oh, sorry. Is this news for you? Uh, apparently, for me, it happened when I was 49. Um, thanks, Heather. When we're done recording, i got to go look some things up on the Internet. But <laughs> Spiritual crisis. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. But for most yeah. of us, it happens around in preschool. Yeah. It's around age four uh-huh. that, I mean, you know, give or take here or there, that a kid actually realizes, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die someday. Uh-huh. Like the worm on the sidewalk, like the bird, yeah. like the puppy, like, like grandma, grandpa. <laughs> and and not only that, but mom and dad are going to die and everybody. I mean, this is a big, big yeah. deal. Uh-huh. Um, it's a big deal for us adults. We haven't fully grappled with this um, based on our behavior in daily life. <laughs> <laughs> but But for kids, this is the first time they're realizing this. And that's huge. And so no wonder there's some death play. And it's it's important for them to grapple with this in the best way they can, which is through play and through through dramatic play. Yes. So um, weapon play does bring out um, alive and dead. Of course, the deaths are usually pretty fast. They don't lie still forever. Um, it depends on the kid. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a lot of death involved in the play, and that is a form of moral development for the kids to be interested in this subject and to play it out. Mm-hmm. And there, there's so much going on there. There's 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 mourning, and there's 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 helping others get through it. I, he was he was a good he was a good uh, transformer, and and we're sorry he 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 passed. Uh, those kind of things. And I, I mean, I've seen kids they will break from the the battle and go into funeral play. And, yeah. and and there's all that nurturing and, and the patting on the back and the, the handing imaginary tissues, and, and they go through this whole process. We had this happen with a little girl who went to her first uh, funeral uh, at the, about the age of four or five, and, uh, and, and so we had funeral play going on for, for weeks after she was trying to process. I think one thing we, we, we need to remember about play is play is therapeutic. Uh, play therapy is a thing because because it seems to work, and kids are constantly putting themselves through bits of play therapy in in our early learning settings on their own um, all the time as they're learning to to uh, uh, deal with concepts like I'm going to die someday. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'm just thinking back to something you said a few moments ago about the, the parents feeling like they were. They had a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Well, another consequence of that is that the kid starts to internalize yes. bad kid. Yes, yes, yes. And that's that, that's very um, common, I think, when 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 a kind of play, a, a part of the soul of the child, is stopped repeatedly. Um, when when adults keep pouncing on kids to stop war play and weapon play, um, the kids consider themselves bad and some of them become more disruptive in their behavior some of them withdraw from the social group you know they're they're being stymied and um i was just looking at something that peter gray who's a psychologist says that you know some people think violent play creates violent adults but the opposite is true (laughs) yes i love violence in the adult world leads kids to play at violence um you know, things that they see, they're trying to process. Maybe you were sitting around as a family and the TV was on and the news was on while they saw something or they heard something and it worried them. 
some of these worries come out in their play, and they're trying to take control of those fears, play it out, maybe change the ending. There's all sorts of things kids do as they're doing this therapeutic play. Yeah, yeah. And and when we when when they start thinking, well, they apparently think I'm a bad kid because I'm doing this thing. What do real bad kids do? And and then they start seeking. I mean, this is this is who they think I am. So this is who I'm going to be. And and then they seek out behaviors and activities that uh, that that reinforce that that label that we've put on them at a, at, a, at very early ages. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're so I, what, 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 what yeah, more do we want to? Yeah, you go ahead. Well, I would like to um, uh, dive into this more in our next episode, which is if you're intrigued by some of the things that um, that weapon play might bring and to your child, then how can we start with with you as an adult, as a parent, as a classroom teacher, a director, and, and lead you to the next step? We'll get into some. Um, practicalities of how can you get there when you're not feeling quite there yet? Yeah, not necessarily intrigued by it. Yeah, not necessarily embracing it, but tiptoeing towards allowing and supporting it, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's the adult's emotional development too, and we need yeah. people to be comfortable. So, um, so we'll there dig are, into that. Don't worry, there is help for adults who would like to support their children's play more and aren't sure how to start, and we will be sharing those tips with you. There we go. This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.